G'day. You're listening to The Misadventures of Bo Hogart and the Brilliant Blue-Eyed Woman. My name's Vic, plume.com. Chapter 10, The Red House Blues. Enjoy. Nearing daybreak and travelling at close to 100 miles per hour along the endless and unswerving highway, the two suits stared ahead from the front seats of the brown Ford sedan. Their silence, accompanied by the rolling tyres and the humming engine, was like listening to mind-numbing Muzak in a horizontally thrust windowed elevator. Bald Jack, riding shotgun, and Red, at the wheel, were still wondering why hundreds of $100 bills had been discarded for so many miles along the roadside. Every time Baldy fell asleep, his red-headed partner would gently stop the vehicle and quickly pocket as many leisure coupons as possible, earning himself around $17,000 and an earful of abuse. Baldy had woken one too many times, eventually becoming enraged, waving his pistol in the air and screaming maniacally, making it very clear they didn't have time to stop and retrieve Trillionaire's toilet paper. Staring at the humdrum highway ahead, Bull Jack let out a long, guttural sigh. Sitting in a car for so many hours gave him plenty of time to think, his mind always coming back to the one same thought. Why would his boss order the elimination of a man who professed to know the location of the world's most wanted woman? He couldn't be sure, but by capturing Bo Hogart and methodically cutting off his favourite bits and pieces, Baldy figured he might obtain the location of the brilliant blue-eyed woman. Thereafter, he could sell her for a billion dollars and put a hit on his boss and anyone else who might want to stop him reigning supreme. Baldy fantasised about spending the rest of his days living like a mafia don, focused on drug importation, with just enough torture thrown in on weekends for relaxation. That was what he imagined, but right now he had to do something about his gut, which was telling him to PULL OVER! The car screeched for 100 yards past the roadhouse, stopping like a rocking horse stops just before a rocking horse stops rocking. Tire smoke from the long skid hung in the still morning air like a frozen cloud. Slowly, it began drifting toward them, eventually encasing the Ford and expanding before continuing down the long, lonely highway, probably on its way to join its cousin, Smog, in Los Angeles. What the fuck are you doing? said the reddened, red-headed suit. Food and gas! Bull Jack grunted, annoyed by Red's limey-ass Cockney accent. You're fucking radio rental, you are, Red said, reversing the car at high speed toward the roadhouse, forcing Baldy to grab the dashboard when he expertly slammed the steering wheel around, spinning the car 190 degrees before screeching to a halt inside the parking lot. We still got half a fucking tank, you bald muppet, Red growled. The sun was rising as they stepped out into the cool morning air. They glared at each other across the car's roof, bolts of warm vapour pouring from their nostrils, their eyes squinting from the car's sunlit chrome. 
of Italian ancestry, Spinello Bull Jack Pugliese was a sullen type, a loner who grew up running with a street gang named the Rat Pack in Jersey City. He and a crony named Tommy Mats de Mazzo, who he'd met in elementary school, were the founders and equal partners in charge of the rats. But with aspirations for big league crime, Baldy left Mutz and the Rat Pack and, using unscrupulous means, quickly became a special government agent. His nickname was Bull Jack because a jackrabbit is a hare and his hair took off like a jackrabbit when he was 21. He wasn't one for small talk and was as much fun as a silent fart in a sauna. Red was fair-skinned with a round boyish face covered in large freckles. His spiky gelled hair was carrot red and his pale blue eyes showed a decency that Bull Jack's eyes had never known. Born in London's East End, Red grew up a proud working-class Cockney. At age 16, he gladly left school and enlisted in the Royal Marines, where he passed with flying colours. Some years later, while serving in Afghanistan, his wife left him for his best friend. Red then volunteered for several tours in the Middle East, resulting in him being asked to join the Special Air Service. There, he worked in covert reconnaissance, counter-terrorism and human intelligence gathering before being poached by the United States government to become a special government agent. Now, in his early 30s, Red was naturally easygoing and would get along with just about anyone, except for farts in saunas or people he was assigned to eliminate. Jack and Red's dark suits hung on tall, lean frames, and their wraparound sunglasses hung in their top pockets, but that was where their similarities ended. Breaking their stairs, they affixed their shades and turned toward the fiery orb, now halfway above the flattened horizon, and sending shards of light through a stand of short-leaf pine. Yeah, what did he fucking say, Jack? Red asked, still looking into the Earth's life-giving light bulb. Yeah, we've been ordered to take him alive, Baldy answered unconvincingly. Now get some fucking gas! Yeah, right. But what did he really say, Jack? Red asked, turning to Baldy, still facing the rising sun. There was a long pause, highlighted by a developing breeze that made soft, whirring sounds inside their ears. Then Baldy replied in a robotic monotone. He emphatically stated we are to capture the target. Switching back to his normal voice, he continued. Carl was very fucking clear about that. Now get the fucking gas, asshole. Baldy turned and walked toward the roadhouse, leaving Red to question his partner's honesty or lack of it. As Baldy opened the roadhouse door, Red shouted sarcastically. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for asking. I'll have some fucking crisps. I could eat the crotch out of a dead leper's undies. Baldy entered the roadhouse without acknowledging his partner. And don't touch my emergency brake again. You fucking toe rag. You have now reached the end of chapter 10.